Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Connections Director, and we're so happy to have you here with us. And if you're online, a welcome to you as well. Well, if you are newer here at Faithbrook, we do not want you to just be a face in the crowd. We would love to get to know you. So if you would please grab one of these blue connection cards and fill it out um, and drop it in the giving box on the way out, we will follow up with you this week and just get to know you and say thank you for joining us today. Well, at Faithbrook, we want to lead people into new and thriving lives in Christ. And we are so excited to celebrate that at our family camp this last week, we had four people choose to be baptized and proclaim that they are followers of Jesus. And uh, we want to offer that to you as well. Right now, we have five or six people signed up for our September 10th baptism right here at Faithbrook. And if you are interested in taking that next step in faith, you can sign up for that on our Church Center app. Underneath the More tab, you'll see Baptism. Um, another option is to go to our website, or you can also grab our Next Step card here and fill that out, drop it in the giving box, and we'll follow up with you and get you set up for that baptism. We want to just celebrate all the things that God is doing here and leading people into new and thriving lives in Christ. And if you are ready to take that next step, let us know. Well, let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we wrap up our series, H2O. Hey, good morning, and welcome to Faith Brook. Good morning to you online. If you're watching us online, it's good to have you today. We are coming to the conclusion of our summer series, H2O. It's all about water. All the different teachings and concepts are throughout the Bible. We just kind of uh, dove into these issues and to teach us. We looked at anything from trying to walk on water to finding a still water to pursuing life-giving water and to engage in pure water even to just take in some submerged water. As you saw, uh, these baptisms happened a couple of weeks ago. I'm excited what God is doing. I kind of peruse other churches online, some pastoral friends. Other churches are having baptisms. God seems to be working. People seem to be wanting to go deeper and more public with their faith. And so I'm excited about September 10th, um, about the baptizing a few other people associated with Faithbrook. Uh, sign up for that through our website or the uh, uh, Next Step red card. Well, how many of you ever been to Atasca State Park? Atasca State Park, anybody been there? You know that it is the, the home of the headwaters of the mighty Miss, Mississippi. Atasca Lake is the beginning of the giant worldwide known Mississippi. The Mississippi is 2,400 2, miles uh, long. Um, it's, it's wide and deep. It's the fourth largest river in the world. It separates the United States. It's a giant arm of our commerce of uh, barges and, and boating. And uh, growing up in Missouri, I knew about the Mississippi. It bordered that state. But I never knew where it started until I moved up here. And a couple of times we were able to vacation up in that area and take in that very pristine, perfect setting of where the mighty Mississippi begins. And that, that lake uh, is, is um, the intake of the lake is over 50% of spring water. It is the most unpolluted, perfect, crystal clear crisp water that you'd ever maybe want to drink or be around. It is just so life-giving. It is so beautiful. And when we think about water like Itasca, we think about the words of Christ 
when he talked about those who are thirsty, those who need life-giving water. In John 7, he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Is anybody thirsty on the inside, wanting more in life? Is there something deeper, more replenishing? Whoever believes in me, he says, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers of living water. God wants to give us a river that's full of joy, peace, forgiveness, goodness, and love. But we all have to decide to enter into his river. Now, speaking of rivers, this mighty Mississippi is very attractive for people to try to traverse and canoe or kayak down the Mississippi. I remember a couple years ago when we were at uh, Itasca, uh, we ran into a, a, a young man, a father who was going to paddle down in his little kayak down the Mississippi. Uh, this is not exactly the man, but, but many have done this. And I started asking him about his adventure. He was kind of packed up. And I said, well, what's, what's down this little creek? Uh, because the Mississippi just starts like a little creek. It's shallow. He says, well, it takes a while because when you get down in there, it's just kind of full of marsh and there's uh, weeds and, and you're not sure exactly where to go. And then once you break through those marshes and those shallow areas, it starts winding throughout the whole state of Minnesota. It takes you like over 500 miles and days and days and days and days just to get down to Minneapolis because it winds so much. And if you make it through those, those windy little, little rivers of the Mississippi, you'll get down to Minneapolis, home of the great St. Anthony's Falls. Many of you have seen uh, the falls downtown. You can view them from the St. Arch uh, Bridge, uh, Stone Arch Bridge. And uh, aren't they magnificent? Aren't, aren't they so powerful? It's where the city of Minneapolis began because of that that energy and the production that came from those waterfalls, and man, it could be inspiring. It's just gushing. It's just so powerful. It kind of gives us a view of what God wants to do in our hearts and our minds and our life, that he has something supernatural, divine, that can flow through us with the joint efforts of the Holy Spirit. One day, Jesus was at a well with a Samaritan woman in John 4 and he was explaining to this woman that he wanted to give her this river of life. He wanted to give her this supernatural water in her soul. And she just thought he was talking about the well water. And they started debating about history and religion. And Jesus said to her, anyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There's something invisible. There's something spiritual about what Christ wants to give. It's not physical water, but something spiritual that will end in eternal life. Yes, Christ wants us all to be submerged in water, uh, identifying with him and signifying our, our life with him through water baptism. But as we continue to navigate in, with life with him in his river, in his currents, there are times where this waterfall, this overflow of his Holy Spirit can enter into our hearts, that we're full of his love, we're full of his direction and, and his perspectives of life, and there's something powerful, there's something uh, incredible that can 
flow through us in everyday life. But this journey, like the Mississippi, can be long and arduous as we try to paddle and navigate all the twists and turns of life with Christ. And if you try to paddle or kayak the great Mississippi, it'd take you a long time. They tell us that those who try to traverse this, to try to journey the Mississippi, it could take the two to three months of paddling to make it from the very top all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. And if you're willing to do that, there's a lot of twists and turns. You might ride it, run into some obstacles, some currents, some rapids, some barges, some falls and, and um, some portages. But finally, after all those days, your, your body worn out, your, your skin is sunburnt, you will see it. You will arrive to the mouth and the opening of the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, here, here's a, a person that arrived at the Gulf of Mexico. Can you imagine the exhilaration? Can you imagine all that work and paddling? And now you have received your dream. You've arrived at the great ocean because of your perseverance and endurance. What a joy. What a thrill. It reminds us of those who are in the river of, with Christ, those who are paddling with Christ, that one day we will enter into our, um, our heaven, our destination of that place of eternity with Christ. And do you know what's in that place called heaven? Do you know what, what has to do with H2O? That there is a river, a river of life. We know this because the last surviving disciple of Christ was John. He was isolated on the the island of Patmos, and in his times of isolation and prayer and worship, God started giving him revelation. God started revealing him, and we get the book of Revelations from this time in John's book, and at the very end of those chapters, chapters 21, 22, 23, God starts revealing to John what heaven is going to look like. And here's some of the passages here. He says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. The angel showed him what was there, a river, the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city, the city of gold, our destination. And what is there is a river, a river of life, symbolizing God's love for us, God's holiness God's uh, pristine glory flowing down and through, emanating from his throne, his power, the might of who he is. That is our destination. That can be our destination. And this picture of this river of life has always been in the hearts and minds of people. We think about the Jordan River of, of baptism and crossings of river and, and navigating river. And even back in the Psalms, King David knew about this river. And he spoke about it and wrote about it in chapter 46 when he says, there's a river whose streams make the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Even King David realized the power and the majesty and the glory of this powerful river 
flowing through God's holy city, that can flow into our life, that can transform us and give us great hope and perspective as we traverse the long, arduous river of life, heaven. I don't know how many of you listen to KTIS. I got a couple of Christian radio stations on my radio that I go back and forth with, but the other day, KTIS 98.5 was sharing a new song by Big Daddy Weave, and the title of Big Daddy Weave's song was Heaven Changes Everything. Heaven changes everything. When we realize what's before us, what is our reward, it can literally change us. And it was changing John. And John was given this revelation. And he continued to write in Revelation 22, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit for each month. The leaves of the tree were, all, were for the healing of the nations. This river can heal and reconcile and help us through life. John was getting these revelations how God wants to heal the nations. God wants to heal us. God wants to heal relationships. This is the heart of God to reconcile, to atone. I thought it was interesting that in this verse, he says, there's a tree of life. <clears throat> Does that ring a bell for anybody? The tree of life. Where have we heard that before? It wasn't there a tree of life in the second chapter of the whole Bible, Genesis 2, the Garden of Eden, didn't God place a tree of life, of, of good and evil, in that area with, with Adam and Eve? And here also in that Garden of Eden was also a river in Genesis 2. And that river would supply nourishment and and goodness to the tree of life and the people and Adam and Eve. It was all about God's provision and love and grace flowing through that garden. That was heaven in the original sense of there was no more uh, evil there. There was no cursing. There was no um, hurt and damnation. It was, uh, it was innocent, pure, and holy. And now we see that same picture in the last chapters of the whole entire Bible. And if you do a little bit more study on heaven itself in and, and Revelation 21, it talks about how God is going to restore that Eden, that God's going to restore heaven on earth, that what we saw in the first creation, where people were not ashamed, there was no regret, there was no hurt. It was just open and glorious and loving it's going to be the same way that God one day, according to revelations, that he's going to make heaven on this earth where we are living here today. It's hard to believe that. Uh, there's a book that I've read before called Heaven, written by Randy Alcord. It's probably the most uh, intensive, uh, encompassing um, look at heaven and what we're going to be like and what, what all the different logistics is about heaven. I recommend it highly. And one day I heard Randy Alcorn being interviewed on a radio station about his book. And they were talking about heaven. And we got to this point about, is, is heaven really going to be on our earth? Uh, right here we live. And, and Alcorn said, absolutely, it's going to be right here. And I think this station might have been in, in Minnesota. It's like, uh, like right here in Minnesota, he says, well, according to the Bible, yes. And if you think about it, if you ever get out in nature and really get blessed by 
the goodness of nature, let's say it's like a, a park like Itasca, where the birds are singing, the lilies are blooming, there's a blue sky, there's a breeze, the temperature's just right. You're like, man, I, I could live here, right? You, you might, it might cross your mind. It's crossed my mind. It's like, hey, if this is heaven, I'll take it. I mean, I, I really enjoy this. This is beautiful. And Alcorn is like, man, if you, if you feel that, if you appreciate that, he says, that's what heaven, but just multiply that like 100 times fold. That's how exhilarating and wonderful it's going to be. That's God's heart, this heaven, our final destination. And part of this heaven, there's not going to be any more cursing, a uh, curse upon earth. Verse 4 of uh, John receives this revelation. No longer will there be any curse. In other words, there's not going to be more sin. There's not going to be more crying and heartbreak and death and mourning. Those chapters in the last revelation says he will wipe, God will wipe away every tear. The old order of things have passed away. We will not have to worry about paychecks. We're not going to have to worry about our bodies. We're not going to have to worry about are we going to survive. It's going to be bliss. It's going to be so wonderful. God's going to wipe away these tears. You've arrived. The Bible tells us that when that day comes, Jesus will be there to re- receive us, to welcome all those who are in the river with Christ. There's going to be a magnificent banquet, like a wedding banquet. There's going to be a feast The Bible tells us that he kind of sees us as his bride. He is the groom, and he's waiting to prepare and have this beautiful feast and banquet for us. We will rest from our labors, and we will spend most of our time worshiping Christ like the angels. Our bodies will be revamped into heavenly bodies. We will become eternal. Right now, we are finite. We are physical. And eventually, they will break down. But when we make it to heaven, we will be eternal beings like the angels. Not angels, but like the angels. There's indications in the Bible that there will be gatherings, reunions of our people. There will be rewards and treasures and and crowns. There will be no more wanting or wishing, but it will be glorious, full of joy and comfort. Jesus described it to the thief on the cross next to him. He says, it would be like paradise, beautiful. And in the middle of this is this river flowing from the throne of God, symbolizing his love for us, symbolizes his holiness, his divinity, his majesty and power flowing. No more threats. No more fears, no more heartache, no more burdens, tranquility, serenity at the maximum. Man, I love preaching about heaven and speaking about heaven. We don't speak about heaven too much, but it is real. And I've noticed through my life, I've always kind of had an ear to thinking, well, is heaven real? Uh, I know my Bible talks about heaven. Uh, Maybe it's just a myth. And so anytime there's a story that there's near-death experiences, someone you know, had a heart attack or something, was brought back to life, I, I always kind of listen in to what their story was, what, what's going on. And, and almost every one of them said, man, there's something out there. There's something powerful. Some people have testified that they've had a bad experience. 
There was something extremely scary, and they described it as hell, and, and they didn't want to go there, and their life was changed as they were brought back to life. Many of them testified that they couldn't explain it. Uh, there was this light. There was just this overwhelming love and warmth and comfort, and every time they started talking about this light and this love, I'm thinking, that's my Bible. That's my gospel. That's my God. That's heaven. He's talking about that Jesus would be there. And many people have to testify this. I didn't want to come back. It was so wonderful and glorious. And that is our gospel. That is our destination. That's what John was receiving revelations about. That's what Jesus spoke about this heaven. And yes, I don't know a lot of people are signed up to just right away go to heaven because of death. And sometimes we do die prematurely. Sometimes people do um, perish early and it saddens us. Other people uh, go a long time in their life before they come to the end of their life. But there is a hope for those who've been navigating that river of God, that have been paddling and persevering and loving and staying in his currents. Paul helps us when he says that when we perish, it's like me being away from the body I will be in the presence of Christ. He will meet us there. Most of us, or all of us, will perish one day, but there is one exception, and that is if God comes back soon. The Bible tells us that there is a second coming of Christ. There is a trumpet that will sound. The things have been building and changing on earth, and and God's finally going to stop it all and say, okay, There's enough heartache. There's enough sin. There's enough wickedness. I'm coming back for my children. I'm coming back for my people. And that revelation was also given to John in Revelations. And John wrote it down. Look, I am coming soon, he said. My reward is with me. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I hold all things together. And one day, God's going to say, I'm bringing and restoring this earth. I'm going to finally destroy Satan and his demons. Enough is enough. And bring an everlasting and renewal to his children. Some people call it the rapture. And we see indications in Paul's writing and Thessalonians and Corinthians. And Jesus even spoke about it. In Matthew 24, he talked about the signs of the end times. The things would be lining up, and we see a lot of those lining up, and a lot of Christian leaders are saying, wake up, people. God is coming soon. There are things happening on our earth, environmentally and technologically, that really is lining up that, that God is coming back soon. And that's why John says in that revelation, amen, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm tired. I'm worn out. Please come in your second wave. John understood the Lord was a source of eternal life. That, our, that he has an eternal future laid up for us. This paradise, this heaven. And there's an anticipation. And that's why throughout the Bible, throughout the Gospels, God desperately wants you to enter into his holy river. If you're not in that river, wherever you need to start, he wants you to start because this river is for you. He wants you to experience his forgiveness of your sins, 
that we don't have to carry those regrets and those embarrassments and those shames, that God can heal us and change us and cleanse us from our unrighteousness and our sins, that there is a love and there is a new beginning and there is a hope. God wants us to experience a purpose to reflect him, that, that God is leading our life and there is a security and there is a helper and there is a shepherd and that we, we float and navigate and paddle through this river of life. Sometimes we're asked, well, what does that look like? And, and I, don't, I don't know exactly. It's kind of like getting your little kayak at the beginning of, of the Mississippi and Itasca. Man, man, it's just, you generally just start going with Christ, right? There's, there's the, the path is not always perfect, and you got to go through some marshes and, and some trees or stuff to get going, but you keep going, and it gets deeper. And sure, there are some times where we're not exactly sure. There, there might be some obstacles, and doubt starts feeding our mind, and there's always temptations, but God asks us to continue to be persevere to keep seeking him, to keep learning from him and, and the word of God. And you'll find like what the band sung about God's faithfulness. Even though we don't understand some heartaches, we don't understand why there's some currents or there's some storms or there's some obstacles. But God says, I'm with you. I will help pilot you through those hard times, those sad times, those, those times where you have to trust me. You know, sometimes I've been on the, I've paddled the, the Mississippi up here in um, Minnesota a couple times, and probably one of the hardest things to do is that it gets really slow sometimes, and there's a big bend, and you don't know what's around that bend. And about the time you get around that bend, there's another bend. And man, you've been paddling a long time. It's like, hey, when's the next city? When's the next arrest area? And you, have, you don't know. You just have to trust the river to keep going. But God is with you. And for some people, they paddled that river a long time. Their body is getting aged and tired, but they've been faithful. And God's been faithful to them. And they're going to come to that point that they see their heaven. They see that gulf. They see the ending points. And their body is broken and, and worn. But God's spirit has renewed them. And they come and they take their last breath and enter into the great gulf of heaven, a beautiful paradise of everlasting bliss and love of Christ Jesus. And in this paradise, we will see him face to face, and we will be like his child that he's so happy to hold and to welcome, and we will be able to experience this heaven. There's a lot of artists that have taken time to do some depictions. Uh, we don't know exactly what heaven's going to look like, but a lot of renderings have tried to depict what exactly heaven looks like. We see this, this picture here of this city of gold and, and the river dispensing perfect, pure, holy, divine that we can experience the still waters, the green pastures, the rest from our labors and worries and hurt and sin. No more tears. Uh, no more backbreaking, no more devastation, but love and peace and hope all mixed in. The question is, are we ready? Are we ready for this heaven? And the book of Revelations talks about uh, being, our names being written in the book of life. 
that those who receive Christ, those who have said yes to Christ, those who are in the river with God, have their names written in the book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? Is your salvation and your relationship with Christ secure and up to date? You know, I've been doing this, this ministry quite a long time. I've seen some death and, and perishing of people, some expected, some not expected, and death is never fun. And I've noticed that through the families and, and just the, the dynamics of families when it comes to death and dying, they really are placed in two categories. One category is kind of like, uh, I call it a vague category, <clears throat> that so-and-so passed away, and the family, how they, how they process it, and they say, well, uh, I believe this person's in a better place. And they're not really sure, uh, and they're hoping, and they're trying to deal with their grief and mourning, and they believe there's a heaven, and this person was a good person. I'm not really sure, but God's good, and they were good, and somehow they're up there, and let's just hope for the best, and, and let's go on through life. That's one category. I've also noticed that there's another category. And these people have a surety. These people almost have a joy because they are sure that this person has passed had a relationship with God, that their life was in the river. They've been paddling a long time. They never gave up. And, and, and even if they come to their last breath, they've realized this person has some peace. There's almost a hope. It's like, this is life has passed me. I'm going forward. It reminds me of the poem by a Barbie Kirk that says, don't look for me. Don't look for me because I'm gone. I'm just not here. Just please don't alarm or have any fear for the Lord has come and has taken me away. You don't have to ever cry for me for the victory's been won. I've gone to heaven. I'm up there with God's son. In other words, don't look for me. I, I, I'm up with God. It's okay. Would you like to be sure of your eternal destination? <clears throat> I'm going to have our band come out and play a song a little bit. But a lot of times we have to take time to, to evaluate where we are spiritually. Maybe at one time you had a faith with Christ and you would say, yes, I was in God's river. I was paddling and believing with God, but somewhere along the line, I got discouraged. Somewhere along the line, something didn't make sense. Somewhere along the line, I didn't feel like God heard my prayer or there was a lot of obstacles and there was a lot of doubt. And pretty soon I just took my little boat and pulled it up to the bank and and got out. Maybe one time you had a faith in Christ, but people kept calling you over to the bank. Why are you in the river with Christ? Not many people are, are going down the river with Christ. Come over to the bank. There's all kinds of fun, <clears throat> party things, ambition, success, entertainment. Don't worry about that. That's just a religious myth. Come on over here on dry ground, man. And you got out. And you found for a while it was kind of entertaining and fulfilling. But pretty soon, that river kept passing you by. And once in a while, you'd see a traveler of Christ paddling, not getting out of the boat and not getting out of the river. And God kept calling you back into the river. Maybe you never really started with Christ. He's like, oh, I'm not sure about that. But God has been calling you because God desperately wants you to enter into his holy river. You know, I don't know where you are spiritually. Some of you might say, well, I'm not into that. I don't have time for that. I'm not even sure if that's true. 
I can tell you, my friends, it is true. As sure as we're sitting here today, there's a Mississippi River 10 miles to the east. And that river, like it or not, whatever you think, it is flowing deep and wide. It's never going to stop. That's the way God is. We can do our, our own thing, but God is like that river, and it's going to flow. And for those who are willing to put their lives into the river, he's going to take them through, take them all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. If we hang on, if we don't give up, yes, there's going to be some tough times. Yes, there's going to be some questions. But through that time, God's going to show his faithfulness. And through that time, it's going to start making sense. We're going to start enjoying the journey. We're going to start seeing things that other people don't see on dry ground. The landscape, the birds, the, the, the landscape and the greenery is going to be fabulous. Until we get to that time, our life comes to the end and we empty out into God's paradise. But we have to put our life into the river. And I want you to consider maybe if, if you're on the sidelines, if you're on the bank, maybe God today is calling you to trust him, to give him another chance, to let him forgive of your sins and start paddling as best you can down his river, the river of life and love. They're going to sing the song about heaven. You think about it. You let God minister to you, and then we're going to pray at the end of the song. heads close our eyes just to give God some time give each other some privacy we're in a holy moment here God so loves you he died on the cross for you God the father gave his son for you that you would decide to come into his river but only you can decide has God been wooing you speaking to you in many different ways. Maybe you find yourself on the banks of God's river. You know who God is. You've seen God. You even kind of believe in God. But you have to make the decision for yourself to let God into your life, into your soul. We do that by acknowledging our sins. We do that by acknowledging We've been on the banks. We, we have offended him. We have not really obeyed him. But today, we're going to turn our life, our heart towards God and enter into his currents. Allow him to forgive us by faith, to give us a new heart, a new life, no matter what we've experienced in the past, what we thought that God just starts saturating us with his cleansing power his love and forgiveness that we can be atoned and made new for him and we pledge in our hearts god we're going to start paddling the best we can to help us navigate in a new way a new life with you to make it through life and when our name is called we take our last breath we have assurance everlasting life with you in your paradise i want that i choose that anybody here would be willing to let God know by raising their hand that God I, I want to enter into your river would you raise your hand and let him know because he's watching he knows your heart just by lifting your hand say yes Jesus I'm coming to you 
I'm entering into your river. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, that you're able to receive us. You're willing to go, and we have to go with you. Thank you for the fact of heaven, that we're made for more than just this life, just our physical, emotional, intellectual life, but our spiritual life for eternity. Help us to live into that. Help us to celebrate that. And we'll give you the praise. Amen and amen. Why don't you stand this morning? Let's end with this glorious song.